Welcome everybody from around the world. Hello everyone. Welcome to Commentaries from the Edge. This is Karen Goldberg and here's what's coming up. I'm delighted to welcome Stephen Angel to the program today. Stephen Angel is the president of the um, Drumming for Life Institute and the creator of two incredible programs called Reading and Rhythm and Life Skills Drumming Program, which we're going to really discuss today and kind of break down the different parts of it. Before we begin, I just want to mention that, you know, the times that we're living in, we need something to help us navigate these incredible days. And it may be that Stephen Angel has come up with something that harks back to you know, an ancient way in which humans like to communicate, and that is with the drums. Because when we think about drumming as a value, of course, in African cultures on a daily basis, and in ways in which the Native Americans use drumming in their daily life and in communication, and so many other cultures, it's really a remarkable in which Stephen Angel has been able to tap into something and design it to be able to give it to us as a very valuable tool. So Stephen, thank you so much for being here today and giving us your time. And thank you for inviting me. This is terrific opening. My pleasure. <laughs> so Stephen, let's start with a little bit of, of history to give context here. You know, how did you start this idea of drumming for life that that evolved into an institute yes it started as an institute in 2001 but in my mid-40s i had this moment where drumming and psychology came together and i knew that i was going to be doing that the rest of my life and i started putting some exercises together and i tried them out at a detention camp and we had success and that eventually became drumming program and and then the reading and rhythm program started in 2001 i was invited into a fifth grade uh, class uh, LAUSD school uh, in venice california and i saw something uh, why kids were having problem reading and i developed a program in the classroom I, I was there every day for about four months you know an hour two hours a day and um, they had a, a language art program uh, state testing that was given every six weeks and when we started we had the lowest scores in the grade and three months later we had the highest scores in the grade and I knew I had something but before that I you know we were sort of just uh, putting it together and seeing if it would work or not. Well I think yeah I think you knew you had something I just want to mention when you said um, you started in detention camps for our listeners to know that um, those are, they were usually run by probation, a probation department here in Los Angeles County, California, and the detention camps were for uh, youth who have gotten in trouble with the law and basically were being detained. Exactly. It's actually kind of a jail, a jail for young people. So uh, just to, to kind of describe what a detention camp was. But, you know, I think I think you, it seemed that you, from, from what I know of your background, it seems like you were very in touch with this idea that I think you've written about, which is that kind of primal energy that, uh, 
that is there in in drumming that that, yeah. that, that need to assert your rhythm right so we call it assertive learning so a lot of uh, uh, students from all ages when they're struggling they have what we call the doubtful internal voice and how we describe it is the doubtful internal voice says stress signals into the body which creates anxiety signals go back to the brain and ignite the flight response in the brain which is the running away we're using a very assertive rhythm that's played on a folder or a book that's igniting the fight response. So it is the primal part of the brain, but we're elevating its usage by directing it towards the frontal cortex and the learning centers. So we call it waking up the brain. And then we use uh, tempo to speed up the neural networks in the brain. So the students are reading faster and faster and faster and going beyond what they thought they can do. And we're turning the doubtful internal voice into the I got this voice, which is a very assertive place to be. Um, so we're taking primal energy and we're elevating the usage of it. Yeah, yeah, that's remarkable. I mean, because that concept of that internal voice that that is doubting, um, you know, of course, is very destructive to young people. But also, you know, it seems something that's a struggle for everyone all through their life is different times when people have those doubtful internal voices. It's as, as, as if you came up with something that um, could help. Well, specifically in this case, you're using it for reading skills, but it could help, as you're saying, on the psychological level. Deeply on the psychological level. So that's what I saw originally. I saw there was a significant psychological reason why students struggled with reading. And a lot of people, it took a long time for people to get it. And I think during the pandemic, people have a greater understanding of that component, but it was always there. Well, you know, that's something that's been reported quite a bit. And COVID even uh, emphasized it, as you said, but may, and made it worse. And that is that, you know, in the United States, uh, we have so many children who are, from countries that they fled in war and in violence and have come into a classroom with tremendous amount of sense of trauma. Trauma, yeah. And they've reported that, uh, you know, learning levels are really inhibited by uh, children who are in trauma because their brain is just too busy trying to cope with, with processing their trauma to learn mathematics or writing or reading. So in a way, you're, you what if I'm understanding what you're describing, it's kind of the drumming is bypassing that that uh, barrier that trauma creates. Well, it also opens up trauma. Um, in our life skills drumming program, we have exercises that directly go into the trauma centers and open up the trauma centers. So it's, we look at it as frozen psychological energy and, and we're able to do that and then we're able to use, so the drum has two usage in the life skills drumming program where it frees up, uh, frees up and releases the trauma and then it empowers the person. We can use the drum as a way empowering them so they have greater uh, self-esteem um, and feeling good about some, themselves for surviving specific situations that they've been in. Um, but even in the reading and rhythm program, the rhythm and the assertiveness of the rhythm and some of the other, we have like a mindfulness component that we use a very simple rhythm. It opens up the subconscious mind. So by doing that gentle in gentle ways, we're able to open up and free energy 
energies that are that are stuck that are blocked in in the body because a lot of times trauma is stuck in the body and to release that out and and by doing that because trauma also fragments uh thinking processes and so when we're able when we're able to do that we're able to coalesce uh, brain power you know and thought processes so that it's directed and with great purpose and, and direction so that uh, the students can really uh, develop their minds in the most positive way and, and really be much more alert, awake, and fully present. Well, how do you, how do you see that in the sense when you're talking about opening up um, those, those byways that trauma blocks? How, how, how have you been able to see that? In other words, after let's say the children who are traumatized do this drumming, how, how has it manifest itself that there's a change? Well, we call it the psychology of rhythmic energy. So we're able to take rhythmic energy and have, have it used in all these different ways. So say um, we have something called the pulse beat. So it's the, I always say it's the simplest rhythm in the universe. It's just, it's just the pulse, right? And we have them do that. On, on a desk or a folder. And we say, focus on the beat and focus on the beat. But then we say, focus on the space in between the beat and then relax in the space and open up the space and then gently close your eyes. And we're doing that process. The beat represents the conscious mind. The space in between the beat represents the subconscious mind. So in the most gentlest way, we're opening up the subconscious mind and, and so the learning process becomes a process where the subconscious is, is working with the conscious mind during all the steps of the learning process. And also by opening up the subconscious mind in this way and connecting everyone. So everyone in the room is all doing the pulse beat together, their eyes are closed. And then we have them make a picture, see themselves excelling at reading or doing something really well. And all these pieces really wake up the brain and change the brain patterns. Do you do you have report? I mean, are, are the adults working with these young people that are experiencing this with you? Um, do you have reports from them about changes in the in these children? Oh yeah, we've had tons. I'll tell you a great story. Uh, we're working at a, a Catholic school, and I came in and did a presentation for all the teachers and the principal and the assistant principal. And um, they had this great experience. And I spoke to him the next week, uh, assistant principal. And he said, Stephen, you know, your program is so innovative. It's unlike anything we've ever experienced before. And they, they want their kids to experience it, to go through the program. They don't even care that much about that the scores are improving. They feel it's a, something they'll have for the rest of their life that they can't get anywhere else. And so <laughs> that's the type of thing I've always been, you know, looking for is for people to get it on that level, you know. In other words, the impact on the principal and the vice principal and the people that you were demonstrating to were having such a profound effect. I did in an hour. In an hour, I just did a, a, a presentation for an hour. I took them through the pulse beat, which takes two to three minutes. And that had such a dramatic Im- impact on them. In a, in a- and- in a positive in a positive way we're talking about. well of course <laughs> yeah yeah, right. yeah yeah um and then he came in saw the program and there are things he said i had no like breathing has an impact on reading and all the different things that we what we uh, tap into um but um 
so we we're using uh, certain aspects of rhythm in a way that haven't really been utilized before and you know we've been doing this 22 years and it's you know part of it's been patient while people catch up but we've had a lot of people over the years like Dartmouth College got completely behind the program like eight years ago they thought it could transform the educational system they wrote up a grant to do a full research project with the NIH and the National Institute of Health turned it down so we've had you know people in places of power that have really gotten it over the years <laughs> um, but to fully bring it into the mainstream has has been the journey you know well, you yes, you've walked that journey, and you you are you've made amazing progress in making it come into sort of mainstream of life in in the sense that you've been able to work uh, with detention centers, as we mentioned, and of course in the school system. And you know, when you were talking about the idea of the pulse, I, it makes me think of maybe that the the primitiveness of the and the attraction to drumming is related as deeply as the beat in our heart you know that we kind of we're walking around with a with a beat yes i think that's part of it the thing we really focus on is the beat and the space in between the beat um and and you can take that all the way to physics and the string theory um, and uh, that's why I love the idea of the psychology of rhythmic energy and that you can take it to all the different levels through all the different corridors of science and neuroscience and Eastern philosophy and metaphysics. I mean, you can take it through all the corridors and, and, it, and it works. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, let's, let's look at like, for instance, your reading and rhythm programs. So kind of, um, Give us a picture. Let's say, uh, you know, you're, I don't know if you're, you're talking about a classroom in Los Angeles would be maybe 30 students in a class, you know. Yeah, we work, a lot of our program is pull-out programs, after-school programs, a lot of pull-out. We, you know, we'll work with uh, six, seven kids at a time. Oh, okay. So you're not, yeah. you're not walking into a, a, a during the day school. It's, it's after school. Well, no, it's in the morning, afternoons, but they're pull-out. They'll They're take kids that are struggling and they pull them out and we and they do the program. Yeah. So you usually do six or seven kids at a time. Yeah. That would just so so give us a picture of what happens. You you those six or seven kids are in a room and you walk in and what happens? Yeah. So one of our facilitators comes uh, comes in. We have several facilitators working throughout LA County, and we start with like I said, we we pre and post test all the students. We use a national testing system and for fluency and comprehension so everyone can see exactly what the improvements were over a six-week period. So our programs usually run, run twice a week for six weeks and our average increase is over 55% in their reading scores and uh, in that period. So we, we'll test them the first day um, and then we uh, do the mindfulness component and then we have like seven rules, break bad habits. And then we start with that. So they memorize the rules and then we start, uh, we see where they are. So if it's wherever they are is where we begin. We, our program runs the gamut of pre-K through 12th grade. 
and so wherever they wherever their needs are that's where we begin um and so we work on fluency comprehension vocabulary spelling motivation self-esteem um but we'll do everything from phonics phonemic awareness all the, all the components so do you bring in instruments with you no instruments there's no drums every they you play in a folder or a book uh, and what all right and, and while they're reading, they don't play, only the facilitator plays. So um, they play before, um, but they're not actually playing while they're reading. But we teach them how to do, you know, um, when they're on their own, we have on our website, we have recordings of the reading and rhythm beat at different tempos so they can use it at home. Um, we teach them how to start before they start to read, to use the reading and rhythm beat, um, to activate um, the the acceleration of the brain and uh, things like that. But while they're reading, just the facilitator is playing the rhythm. And the facilitator is playing a rhythm on a desk or a book? On a book. book. That's on the desk. Yeah. They're reading on a desk and then they're reading. And how, how long does that go on where the facilitator is, is drumming on the, book and the, the students are reading. Yeah, so we have a specific reading call, uh, rhythm called the reading and rhythm beat. Um, and, and that's um, directed while they're reading. And when they get it, when they, we call it riding the wave, when they're just starting reading faster and faster and faster. So it's not that they're reading exactly to the beat. Um, they're using the rhythm to help break through the blockages that they have. And, and we can tell where those blockages are. And then we have these rules to help break through those blockages that they have. Um, and then we will do a group read to start. Everyone reads. Um, it sounds like chaos, but they're doing it just to get used to their voice and get used to the rhythm. And then we do one-on-one work. So we'll work with each kid in maybe three or four minutes. Um, and then we'll go around, get all the kids. We'll do the fluency and comprehension. Then we may do a second round if we have time. Um, things like that. And then we'll teach them the vocabulary technique we have that's uh, very unique. And um, we do that two or three times over the six, 12 sessions. So and, when you say fluency, um, are you talking about and comprehension? Do you, do you ask them about to, to explain what they're reading so that you know? We have, yeah, we have, we have a great comprehension that no one else is doing. It's called nonlinear comprehension where the reader thinks like a writer. And so it's nonlinear. And I think that's really going to be the future, not only of learning, but even of writing. Um, so it's really cool. It bypasses. We never use the word remember. Do you remember what you just read? Never. <laughs> so what happens with, not, with linear thinking is if you can't remember the first thing you just read, you just, you just shut down. <laughs> and you see kids all the time. Go, I don't know. I don't know. Whenever a kid in our class says, I don't know, or an adult, we will say, I don't know, does not exist in this classroom. Okay. Um, And so with the process that we're using, the subconscious is a partner with the conscious mind. And with our nonlinear approach, it makes it really easy for them to be able to put the story together. So can you give us an example of a nonlinear approach? Well, it's just basically them tapping into what they connected to, you know. In other words, uh, there might be some part of what they're reading that they connected to, but not other parts. Exactly. So that's where you start. So you but start the thing, with what they've connected to. Okay. Exactly. So there's no resistance. 
The resistance creates anxiety in the body, which shuts down, which fragments um, the thinking process, you know, it fragments it. And then all these pieces of, of your mind start going into a hiding place, right? And then the doubtful internal voice takes hold. And, and that's why the, the phrase, I don't know, comes out. Um, so if you can't get the first piece, but once you, you connect and you get the first piece, all the other pieces start coming because your body is relaxed and your mind is in a different place. So your mind now is in search mm -hmm. instead mm -hmm. of escape. <laughs> yes, yes. I. So in other words, in a way, you're, you're um, what it seems to me, you're trying to build on a feeling of success. Of connection, intimacy, that we call educational intimacy. Um, it's about being so intimate with your mind that there's no separation between you and it. Mm -hmm. I guess by success, I didn't mean getting uh, getting an A or a B on a subject. I meant more the, the feeling of beginning to feel capable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and again, that comes into connecting to this deeper place of intimacy where you trust yourself, you know. Um, there's a great alienating feeling when you can't find something. I can, you know, I can see how powerful that could be. It reminds me of many people saying that along the way in their, in their growing up, they met a teacher that believed in them. Right. And the teacher was always giving them positive feedback and they began to well in a way believe in themselves but in a sense you're you're using an instrument of like uh, or the feeling of drumming I mean the the, the action of drumming to uh, unleash that that feeling inside that I could do, I can do this right and this take it one step further so when this when the teacher is giving them positive feedback which is great it's still a separation between the voice of the teacher and the voice of the student. Um, and what we're, what we're saying in this process, the voice of the student is the voice that's connecting to the different levels inside the mind of the student. Mm -hmm. So I can see that once it's almost like uh, opening up a box that's been closed, it seems like, because I could see that once this would happen, it would it would snowball in a positive way. Yeah, it's it's uh, again the levels of trust. Um, so you see it happen, you go wow. And a lot of times, you know, you have a, someone read two hundred words a minute. They're like, "There's no way I can remember anything that I just read." <laughs> and then we do this process, and they put the story together, and it's like, "Wow," you know. So it's the beginning of that. And then as time goes on, you, and you're doing it over and over again then you just start using it as that's the tool. You have a, a real tool that's connecting it to deeper levels. Do you, when you talk about having facilitators, have you ever trained, for instance, a, a faculty staff in a school to be able to do it themselves? Yes, my wife. That's how I met my wife. She got trained. She's an LAUSD teacher. She got trained in the reading and rhythm program. So, well, that's quite valuable. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I always say, you know, you ha I say, you, you know, you have a good program when you get the girl. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good advertisement. <laughs> advertisement for your program. So, so, you know, in other words, 
so have you, are there schools, for instance, elementary schools where uh, there's a certain percentage of the teachers that can do this themselves without you sending a facilitator? No. So where we are right now, um, basically, Ella used to have an IDEC program. With By the Lef- way, LAUSD, let's, you know, is oh, Los Unified School District. Yes. And they had a program called IDEC, which was Kids with Learning Disabilities. And so that's what we trained. I trained like six or seven teachers. And we've done, I have done a training in London and one in, in Boston outside of Boston. That's about it. So we would love to, you know, be able to train. We have a whole full training program. And um, so that's one of the areas that we wanted to expand the work. In Los Angeles, it's more about our facilitators, although um, we're open to now training teachers in Los Angeles also. Uh, But it's a long process. You know, it's not just a week. The whole process is about a year. Um, that they yeah. we st- we stay connected to the teachers because as I did trainings I realized how much more training they needed because uh, teachers can get sidetracked they can start with you know a program and then they they move it in a whole nother direction and so you have to really uh, yeah. stay connected to them through a, a long period of time until they're really comfortable and it's just part of what they do and the system itself the the school system itself and and our our educational system is constantly pulling uh, teachers in one direction or another. Yes. You know, yes. They, they almost need the drumming for life for themselves. Yes. Well, the, you know, the thing is most programs are about 95 to 97% of what already has been with a, a little twist to it, you know, like a three to 5% difference. And with our program, there's a huge difference. So it's, it's a joke. It's a joke. Yeah. yeah. I'm wondering if you ever um, have been involved in any of the schools of education at the university level that are teaching teachers to teach. Well, like I said, we our experience with uh, university was Dartmouth was our main one. Right. Uh, that, that you uh, want, yeah, yes. that they wanted to. Um, yeah, so that was that was the big one. Um, we're doing a project with UCLA now with the National Endowment for the Arts. They have a NEA research lab, but that's with our life skills drumming program. That's excellent. Yeah. yeah. Well, that may be a beginning of, of having an association because UCLA has a school of education that sends teachers out into L.A. schools uh, because this is, you know, in a way, uh, there's no limit to the possibilities here from what you're describing. Exactly. Exactly. It, 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 you know, we're bringing letters and words to life um, when we work with second language learners, like with adults, you know, like I always say, like W, W has three syllable W. It has a lot of, so we have something called see it, say it and play it. So it's uh, multi-sensory. Um, it's opening up the power of letters, of words. It's bringing energy and life to everything. So it's almost 3D-ish, you know. Um, everything's popping off the page because it's full of life. And, and so you, the level of intensity, of connection, of intimacy with what you're doing is so much greater. Do you have, uh, have you made any videos of the work you're doing? Sure. Because yeah. are those available to the public? Absolutely. Um, on our website, we have lots of videos. Uh, dfyl.org. 
Uh, if you go to our website, we have um, we have there's a video right on the home page. It's about a 50 second one, and then if you go to where the videos are, there we have about 10 videos. Would you repeat the website again? D F Y L for drumming for your life. D F Y L dot org, O R G. Well, I will I will put that on the description for the podcast for our listeners or anyone that's looking at the podcast, they would be able to see that. And is there any other information you would want to have the public have on a, on a description? No, just you could feel free to contact us if you're interested to know more, 562-904-6775. Uh, email us, stephenangel at dfyl.org. Um, so those are different ways you can connect with us. Excellent. I'll put that on too. So for for everyone to know, we're, we're talking about the Drumming for Life Institute, the Reading and Rhythm Program, and the Life Skills Drumming Program. And all of them have amazing benefits for our young people, for ourselves. And thank you, Stephen, for staying on the journey. And it sounds to me like you've got a long road ahead that's even better. Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks again for your time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Commentaries from the Edge. Please subscribe and you will be notified of all future episodes.